Radio Level 5 is a podcast coming to you from Level 5, an artist-run studio space in the heart of Brussels. Today we launched a new season with a special episode, the first in a series of talks about parenthood, child caretaking, nurture, trauma, and their entanglement with artistic practices. Today we sit together, Kianush Mutalebi, Helen Dowling, Florence Cheval, Sira Feugel-Brutman, and Eitan Efrat. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to a very special edition of Radio Level 5. The participants for today is, uh, will, will introduce themselves. And maybe we can each say how old is the kid we're taking care of mm-hmm. or parenting, mothering, fathering. Um, so I will start with myself. My name is Eitan and I... Uh, joint custody on two kids um curly uh one is Nilus and he is four, and one is Rita that is almost eight um yeah I'm Florence um and I have two children uh one is Ethel. She is five and a half, and Otto is ten and a half. And I don't know how you call in English the fact that I'm that's not joint custody. That's the other one. <laughs> I don't know how you say it. <laughs> Shared custody? Shared custody? Yeah. Okay, one week, one week out of two. Uh, I'm Kianush. Uh, my son is Mahmoud. He's seven years old. And uh, I have joint custody <laughs> of my son <laughs> together with uh, the next person who is going to introduce herself. Hi, I'm Helen, and I am the one with the joint custody of, of Mahmoud. This <laughs> 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 feels a little bit like an AA meeting already. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Sira, and uh, I am the... mother of Rita and Nilus, the first two curly kids, uh, together uh, in the same house and in the same practice with Eitan, first person who talked. So back to him. Yes. So welcome, everyone. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, this is um, a kind of a, a, a moment where we can actually share our our you know um, experience uh, and and yeah ideas how parenthood affects affects or not uh, our uh, our practice artistic practice uh, practice as artists I mean we should also start with I mean, th- we open a window for ranting, which is like a, p- a space I think we deserve. But like also I would like to start by saying that we also come from a place where we acknowledge our privilege and we know that our parenting is done in a situation where we ha- our kids have food on the table and uh, we have more or less we can sustain our household. Maybe you can <laughs> tell me otherwise, but like we kind of manage. So 
all the ranting is done from that place of acknowledgement that like we're in an okay s- state <laughs> in compared to other households in Brussels, in Europe and in the entire world. So to say that now let's <laughs> let's start. but like I, w- I wanted to ask you guys, like I w- Sira and I are working actually at the moment on a work that is kind of coming out of this intensity pressure cooker m- moment of the of the confinement. And actually, uh, we ended up with like a lot of uh, like a kind of a family archive of moving images that were made by us and by the kids, interrupted by the kids, things that were broken by us, by the kids and like bits of pieces of like stuff. And we're trying to put them together. And I feel like this podcast or this question about parenthood and artistic practice is kind of part of that journey of like figuring out um like and i will start so i I wanted to ask you guys how parenthood affected your your um your artistic practice but i can start just by saying that for example before having kids i woke up at 10 in the morning every day so it's so long ago also i cannot imagine how art, my artistic practice is not done around kids, actually. Do you have any, like, t- can you remember yourself making art before kids? And was it different and in what way? Mm. It's somehow, uh, there are different stages. Like, it was like when he didn't go to school and when he didn't go to crash, and then when he'd had those things, I think that were that was really big big changes like school really makes a difference when a kid goes to school that's like almost a whole day but also we we didn't have any childcare until he was two years old yeah so that was a big difference i think if we but we were also a little bit transient in that <coughs> at least when we were pregnant we were home insecure so mm-hmm. that was tough and then also when we had him we still hadn't really got ourselves into a good place we were moving we were in london berlin amsterdam taking residencies, sublets, what we could. And then I think there really came a need of like, we have to land somewhere and we have to sort out some efficient childcare. And I think that was, that all just smoothly seemed to happen in, in Brussels. Yeah, like the, the, the place was across the street, for example. So yeah. for, for having a kid, Brussels was really somehow even though the same facilities might exist in the other places we were, somehow things worked out. But I think it's probably more a matter of luck and also our mindset. We just, uh, but I actually don't, I can't remember remember before and after. I just remember the after. It was just, uh, I only, I get FOMO moments and then I can just reflect on my own practice. Oh yeah, look at that person. They're working till four in the morning. I wish I could do that. Or that the only like that, not, but that's more imagining what it used to be and not really through someone else, if you know what I mean. Um. So how old was Mahmoud when you came? Sorry, how old was Mahmoud when you came here? Two, two. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So you were still traveling a lot with him as a small baby. Yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, I suppose it wasn't really traveling. It was really going. It was landing somewhere for a few months, and then and then having to sort of sort something else out. And that was that was okay. That sort of seemed to always happen, but it was also exhausting because um, you're trying to set up something each time you move, and you have to take everything with you. And it sort of also things like healthcare just got really complicated. And so yeah, in the end, I think Brussels, maybe Belgium, it's. I'm going to really hypothesize in some ways the infrastructure of it is kind of broken enough that you can you can get here and start off and then and then you realize later on I mean we're only now sort of really sorting out a lot of stuff uh administration wise but that's us but that's us we are like also that. that's yeah. just like us not being very on it sometimes <laughs> But I think that there's also this transition. I think as the kid, as the the kid or kids get older, like I remember when we first had him, and we were in a weird, yeah, not weird, but like we were in a small residency in Holland, Den Helder, and <coughs> I remember not even being able to like formulate basic structures for the day. My brain was out of sync, and I couldn't physically this is do like much. And a, couple, a few weeks after you'd given birth. Yeah, yeah, but uh, it was startling how you could go from somewhere where you felt like there was control or that you were you were able to sort of input control into the day to none. And that was like a big that was a big shock and sleep deprivation. Mm. That was a big shock as well. And I feel like I feel like every year is clawing back towards not sleep deprivation. Mm. And like maybe when I'm 50, I'll know what that feels like. Yeah, our son is really, uh, every day we have the same discussion. Uh, you have to go to sleep. It's like, literally, I cannot think of a day he hasn't had this conversation with us. Yeah, but It's crazy. So yeah. I, like yesterday, we had the same conversation. You slept then, so he needs to sleep now. <laughs> and then he's like, I don't know how to sleep. <laughs> but you have done it every day of your life since you it's were like, born. What do you mean? I don't know how to sleep. There's not a single creature on earth that needs to think about this. It's like, you just sleep. But there's this comedian, Dylan Moran, he put it really well. He says, the kid isn't hearing go to sleep. The kid is hearing go lie down in a dark room for hours until you fall unconscious and maybe you'll yeah. wake up again. <laughs> so like, that's what they're hearing. Yeah, it's, it's really, the, I find that really frustrating. Arguing about also why, because the problem is at the end of the night, after, I'm, ideally I would like to have three hours to do my own stuff other than cleaning the kitchen. And uh, but now he goes to bed at like what nine, and then it's like okay, let's clean the kitchen, and then and do everything, and then it's like ten thirty, and then I'm like, mm. <laughs> and then one of us says, hey, let's watch something, and that's stupid, and then it's twelve. I feel we st we just stopped cleaning the kitchen, like <laughs> once <laughs> a week. <laughs> wow, we have just we, we have many dishes, <laughs> so we just like. Uh, that is a simple solution to our problem. <laughs> like, yeah. There you go, Helen. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we also need to like pepper the entire conversation with some gold nuggets of hope because I know Piero <laughs> might be listening to this. Yeah. Um, I don't have any. Sorry. Very young parents out there. It does get better. <laughs> it's true. Some we think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. It does. Can you re remember before kids? Uh, I'm not sure I could remember, but what's I think now interesting is that I've been single for one year, more than one year. And so suddenly, one week out of two, I can remember how it was when I had no kids, more or less. I mean, yeah, it's easy to say because it's like, 
never really ending and there's many things to do for them even when you don't have them at home but uh yeah now i'm like one week out of two uh writing i guess uh and the other week is really much more like given to the kids so it feels strange because then it's also kind of exhausting because you're supposed to rest when you don't have the kids but then you have so many other things you want to do or you have to do that then you don't really rest and then they come back again <laughs> they're back it's too early and there's no food in the fridge and you have to reorganize everything again mm. so and that's a strange situation but at the same time it's also very interesting yeah in some ways i mean one of the most difficult things for me is to kind of change the frequencies like it takes me so, so long to concentrate but also it's really painful to I don't know, unconcentrate or like to go into something and then kids in your face and then it's so difficult like um, to actually have room for them mm. and to have the day end at five for us like this <laughs> we stretch it as long as we can but then um, yeah like do you how do you make this break between I mean do you see it as a break from parenting maybe it's also different from mothering and fathering but like maybe not maybe it's just different people different concentrations and different you know but like how do you see that transition let's say between having presence of kid and doing your work maybe you have something to say about it i i, I struggle with the same thing I, i it takes me a while to get into what i'm doing and then i need time to actually do it And I, I really find it hard to, s- to stop or to be interrupted or like even I know even knowing that I need to do some shopping before I pick him up. That's like it's like an interruption. And I generally don't do it. I fail and then it becomes complicated. <laughs> But uh, I think there's a way of being more efficient with my time. And I because because actually one thing I do think sometimes I laugh about people saying like I don't have time I'm like <laughs> you have no idea like what the fuck it is you do all day like you don't really need to spend all day to do a certain thing like I remember if I look back when I was younger or before Mahmoud I would think I need I'm gonna need like four days to do that and I didn't actually spend all that time doing it it was just me like philosophizing about being an artist or something like I think there's this romantic idea of, of like I need to be like a fluid creature of time and space and uh, ideas <laughs> drop into my head and <laughs> I express myself I think that really <laughs> I think that really is, is fed to you because I think this is an idea that still exists I need to be a night owl or till five in the morning with a bottle of scotch maybe I don't know but so romantic but I think yeah totally but I, th- I mean it's, it's extreme but I think you I can probably be a lot more efficient like But you always, Helen always says working hard, Helen always says, <laughs> work, <laughs> like, like it's different to work, because I always worry about time, time, I have no time, and she's like, uh, oh, you know, working hard is different to like, working well, yeah, but I think you're, I think you're, what you're describing, that sort of pattern of like time, and I go with this, mm. my dear, I think that carried on for a good year and a half after Mahmoud was born, <laughs> it's very stressful, I felt like I was already on the other side, like having gone through the pregnancy, I was way on the other side, and I was looking at you, like, 
oh man <laughs> gotta do some stuff <laughs> like i did want to kill you frequently mm. but i think that was i think that's maybe like a difference that can happen not always obviously but that in a way when as a woman if you get if you're going through pregnancy there's something dramatic is already happening like huge like metamorphic transition and i think for you it was kind of like i was pregnant after you yeah you were pregnant afterwards <laughs> that that's really interesting because i i think i was actually so self-absorbed being pregnant so it was really just about me 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 it was like i was feeling great and happy and you know like so into the transformation that i was going through uh that actually yeah i, d I didn't experience it like that at all i mean the shock was really after the birth and especially you know obviously after the first birth where Maybe it depends what kind of pregnancy you have then as well. Yeah, 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 it's true. I mean, I had a really, really, really easy pregnancy. Like, I really, I, I loved it, you know. For me, it was like, you know, I'm reaching, like, the heights of my capacity, all of that bullshit. Um, can we say bullshit on the radio? I think we said fuck already. Yeah, okay, good. It's not meant for the kids, <laughs> this. <laughs> fuck yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, and so, and... and so for me, it was really like this moment where, you know, there was suddenly this other thing that needed all that attention that I, you know, could still privilegedly give myself while I was pregnant that I lost. And that, and I think, I mean, it's not like I was very, I was not very productive while I was pregnant. I think also because I was so self-absorbed, you know, it was mm. like, yeah, my yoga and my time, mm. like, you know, make all this great food for myself and then when when rita came the the it was such a shock i mean that i mean yeah but then the shock happened immediately <laughs> all that self-care suddenly the, went yeah. straight into that organ that was outside of you yeah and it was like everything i knew about myself was like you know cut but like from one moment to the next and then it was yeah, a good a good year of just like picking up the pieces um while you know trying to do your best to care for this creature but I think like this whole year like the first year of 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 Rita as a baby like work didn't even exist like it was like yeah it's probably this thing I should worry about because we also need money but it was like beyond me like i couldn't care mm. or like i just couldn't reach it's not that i couldn't care it just didn't it just wasn't there there's like no space yeah <laughs> um and yeah i mean i remember because eitan was like writing applications for stuff like at the end of the pregnancy and i remember can you just like look at it and like have an opinion about it? And i'm like no sorry and then also the stuff we did, like when when Rita was really small. I don't know. It just feel there was like a, a constant detachment, and I think the work like since then. So it's been eight years since then has just been like okay, how does all of this become part part of the work? Like not not necessarily like actually part of the work, but how does this experience like in its totality? become <laughs> become inclusive 
into my life because uh, I think the struggle of like the separation, like what initially felt like the separation of me from myself uh, or me from my work or me from my partner. Because I mean, with Eitan, we're also really used to working together. And th I think that was also like such a shock because suddenly if we had to be together and work, then who was taking care of the kid? You know, it was just like it didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work anymore at all the way it did before. So, but yeah, I mean, this process of like trying to think of like how 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 is this whole experience included in in the life? I mean, it can't be excluded, but it can be less included. Um, and then also in the work, it's uh, and it's still like figuring it out in a way do you mean mean that inclusion on an intellectual level or kind of an organizational level or everything yeah, all of it like uh, first of all on an emotional level you mm. know like because I, I feel like this thing of like okay i have to separate myself from the kids in order to be able to concentrate that doesn't work because they're like always there even when they're not there so mm. how do i just agree with the fact that they are always there and they're always going to be there hopefully um <laughs> <laughs> yes uh and still yeah and still not lose completely the part which is the s you the me yeah so it's on an emotional level it's definitely on an organizational level which um i don't have a good answer for it all no I, I mean, mean I I remember like the two pregnancies are very symbolic obviously but like the moments we were at so the first one was like this very kind of prestigious we were very young and like invited to this flirty film festival in New York uh, upstate New York and in this university and people came like crazy names and we were like also there and and it's like horrible because it's like you're it's wonderful also but like there is a screening of films and then you're standing on a stage and all these scholars and like programmers and like crazy list of people they're there and they ask you questions and you're like and it's full day and it's like screening discussion screening discussion screening this this discussion for like a week so by the end you're like hallucinating and I was and Sira was like very pregnant and the idea was like to to be there and then we did the we rented a car and went upstate New York across the border to Canada and there we actually had a workshop an eight millimeter workshop in a farm so that was like the opposite kind of thing and in that flirty seminar I was like struggling looking at Sira and she's sitting next to me like totally high on pregnancy like hey help <laughs> like just sending her signals i don't know what i'm saying like please help and she's like, she's like anyway and that was really traumatic for me also in terms of like okay i understand like that i mean i'm on my own in a w in 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 uh, in a way but also i don't feel that this is where i want to be like I, I would love to be in that kind of uh, more situation. But then it was like <laughs> physically we took the car and went to Canada 
and did that thing also with the mindset of like we should be conceptual and like how to use the eight millimeter film like this 16. and like that i'm sorry 16. 16. her brain oh, okay. wasn't completely fried yeah <laughs> 16 and then in the end we were like fuck everything is bullshit and then like sira taking her clothes off running in the fields naked and we were like <laughs> so and in the end we made this amazing film of like pregnancy it's called pregnancy log because we found the log and she's like it's very so hippie so so this was a big transition and uh, <laughs> that i feel like we also <laughs> went through somehow like we became more you know hippies in a way like less success driven less into the idea of you know being smart all the time I mean, I also we grew up, we grew older and smarter in that way. That it was like just this moment outside of out of school of like trying to be like the smartest in the room, and that was really a nice, interesting transition. Second pregnancy, it was the first moment we 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 had a studio ever. It was in the Vils residency, and it was the last six months of pregnancy. And I feel there we really devoted on, uh, unlike the first pregnancy here, we just really incorporated the moment we were at in what we did. So Sira had a couch. It was very important for her to have a couch or a sofa. She would sit there and read out loud, read books out loud. And I started painting. (laughs) And I don't paint, like, since high school. So that was also like very kind of and since there we were probably in that state (laughs) 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 this is very it's the difference i'm still trying to thread together the log and the naked nudity and it's very nice the story it's uh, i don't know why but it somehow makes sense knowing you both <laughs> also, uh, Kinish was asleep 20 minutes ago. Yeah, so his uh, brain's still waking up. <laughs> but I think it's the interesting thing with you guys is that you are, you are work you work together. You're collaborators, and it's like this family unit. You know, it's really uh, and we are we're codependent. We're codependent. Yeah, exactly. We're like if Helen goes away, it's on me. If I go away, it's on her. If she has a deadline, you know. But that's very that's putting it quite bluntly. But also um, work-wise, like I, I really rely on you for feedback, and yeah. and vice versa. And I think you got this. Whereas you guys have this creative exchange, I think that's also like a pattern in place. But I was thinking about the first pregnancy, and I recognise something in that. In the, and I think that's something I actually carry on in my work. But maybe also I try to bestow onto the students that I teach that sometimes when they're really banging their heads against something, it's because it's an old pattern that's no longer working. Or I recognized my idea of professional or my idea of like what this has to be and it's becoming such a struggle. It's because I'm not really recognizing like the proper internal structure it should have or I'm not really, it sounds hippie when you say go with the flow, but it can also be that you're not recognizing it needs to be different or that it has to take a different shape in order to exist in the world, and you're trying to turn it into something completely different. So I think there's like, I think I have more acceptance of the conditions of the outer world and finding a way for myself to operate in it that I'm happy with, 
or that in a way that can produce even better results because otherwise you'd be producing something that wouldn't be able to survive or is unsustainable or you can't keep repeating and I think yeah that's definitely something I, mm. I kind of move with, with now. I mean I really connect to that I, I have a friend who just had like a, sm a baby like uh, a few weeks ago and just like to spend some time with her now and like get back into the state of mind of like mm. oh yeah nothing is fixed like just when you think like you get a hold and understand something it is changing and, and that is mm. like the biggest lesson mm. Uh, mm. and the way you describe mm. it is like so correct I mean you you try as a parent and you try as an artist to hold on to things like you think and believe work and like are gonna like get you through the day or like make you like uh, enlightened about like a certain idea or uh, and then you know once you get too attached for it you're you you're actually losing so much energy like trying to sustain it while it is just like the next thing you need to be grabbing onto yeah and that can be more exciting I think as well yeah and this thing of what Eitan said about like being the smartest person in the room I, I think it also f uh, hard to express what I'm trying to say but there there's this expectation of what you should be and the real reality you're in and I think being a parent augments that times a million so there's no denying the situation you're in and like in my case I at some point I just couldn't make the work I was doing before that I was making this smart stuff and then it's like but then I go home and I have this kid so it doesn't you can only do that for so long. And I, I really feel what you mean when you say you can no longer, you can't keep, at least I could, I can't keep making the same work I did before I had my kid. It's just, it's a different situation, different world. And it's also because of uh, maybe practicality. Uh, I remember this woman I spoke, uh, it was like, it was Michelle Grabner and she was talking about at some point she just had no time. So she started cutting pieces of paper and doing this very repetitive, meditative work I mean she's extremely smart so she's being generous when she talks about it in those terms but it really made sense to me oh yeah you just don't have the same amount of time so you need to express yourself in a way that fits in your life that makes you happy which is what would uh, but in my case I think I'm much more in the banging my head against the table uh, process uh, that you just described what you mean right now you are now no well <laughs> maybe but um, <laughs> um but yeah, I think uh, child children augment everything that you want and doesn't make doesn't make sense for you. So, so they're good. That's a good thing. I think it's a way to become happier. I think to have a have a child for the expecting parents of the group. So as Piero, it can only get more happier. <laughs> <laughs> Happiness. No, I, I genuinely think children in the profession of artists can make you happier because it's different because we go to a school where like we are freaks I mean my, our kid goes to a school where everyone is like working uh, normal jobs not like just normal a lot of them are f work with the EU yeah not so just normal but like there are people parameter. who uh, can like buy me if they want to uh, but like they um, <laughs> he's for sale but like they uh, for them it's different because they go to work they, they, they go home and that's it the division is clear but we're used to like devoting every single aspect of our time to this ongoing practice without an employer uh, and often for a public that's not there. 
So it's really different. Uh, and I think having a child just makes you, actually maybe makes you normalizes that, makes you more like a normal, like a being that's has uh, <laughs> uh, reasonable expectations and expectations that are more not just about the future, but about now and making you happy, making a nice house, making a, and I think it's really lovely, personally. How, how, well, it's taking a little bit of a different angle, but how important is it for you to actually explain that culture, which you just like described to your child? Because mm. I feel like, I mean, of course, uh, now we also come from different places. So there's like a whole cultural thing anywhere, any always there when you have a kid and like how how do you bring a, a child into cult the culture <laughs> culture of being an artist parent yeah and then also that so uh, i mean there's the there are the places we come from and the cultures we live in and like how we mediate that to our children but also like how do you introduce them to the the the, the culture of your work and your lifestyle uh like is that important or mm. And how do you do that? <laughs> yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, I also I like the term artist parent. Yeah. That's nice. <laughs> but I mean, Mahmoud at the moment is sort of seeing it all. I mean, he he really enjoys making stuff, and he comes into our studio, and he does stuff with us. Um, but it's not it's not our work. We're kind of with him making things for him. So it's it's really different. He's not really in our creative process and. And I mean, to be blunt, they're just they're totally incompatible. Like I, I don't see a way that they would be would be compatible. And I, I also, although that means this really big division of where he can be around me and where he cannot be around me, because even him just being in the studio whilst I'm editing, impossible. My brain is on to detect him constantly, like a you know sort of drone in the room. Um, so there has to be that 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 separation. But then. I do feel like I do feel like when I'm always around him, and this was maybe when he was a bit younger, I th could feel my brain going mad a little bit, like kind of just squishing, and uh, or everything, everything devoting to this child, and this child having no awareness of being an adult, not his fault at all, and it's completely understandable. But I also noticed I needed to have some points in time where I was away from this love of my life so I could be the good parents. Otherwise, I think I, you know, I mean, it just would have resulted perhaps in just a more unhappy parent. But so in terms of when he's allowed, he comes into the studio, I'm very happy. But I also know that I've got, got to protect that space and keep it also for myself sometimes. And at the moment, weirdly, he's got this very monetary attitude to work, to the work that we do, because he 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 made these sculptures. So we made a kind of cast. He made it out of clay, and then we put it into a cast, silicon cast, and then we made some a Jesmite sculpture out of it. He was really proud of it. Mm. And they was like, "So I'm going to sell this for 50 euros now." <laughs> and then we can make we and and then he understood the process of casting, as you could make many of them. And they was like, so if I make a hundred, how much money is that going to be? And so he's really brought this idea of like, you can just sell it like that, that it's just instant. So it's a, he's, it's a, it's a, it's a very easy idea, I think, of how we make money. 
Well, I had this very interesting uh, WhatsApp conversation with this mother at our uh, friend of ours at this school, and she has a uh, she like coordinates the recycling and the trash of Brussels, and so it's not a really physical job. And her kid knows that I make things, <laughs> so her kid thinks that her, his mom works for trash, and I earn money from making things. Now, in reality, she earns like a shitload more than me. But I think making art actually for kids might be more understandable than if your father is or mother is a consultant. Mm -hmm. It's relatable to, you know, so, and that's why Mahmoud, I think, gets it. Like, oh, you make things and the things are worth something. But if I was like, a, I don't know, a, a politician lobbyist. or a lobbyist, it's, it's so far from a child because what we do, especially with contemporary art, kind of can be very, very much like toddler business, you know? It's like, uh, it's much more relatable. But it's, it's really <laughs> the, the pragmatic understanding of Mahmoud is so, I don't know, it's so beautiful in a way. And I think like, but that also maybe has to do with the fact that we're not selling artists. <laughs> like we don't make tangible stuff. <laughs> It's not all. like weird. Yeah. No, no. Please, we don't. <laughs> I think it was. I think it was because it happened at the same sort of time as we had the salon sale. Yeah. So he was very aware ah. of of these items that were in the sort of eyesight, you know. And also they were small. They were kind of desktop. Everything was not really much bigger than that. So he yeah. could. And there were price lists and commotion and people buzzing around, yeah. things being sold. So I think it it, it sort of twigged for yeah. him on a, he, on he's a also very levels. specific about things like i was modeling the, on the computer the skeleton for helen and then then he thinks my job is to make skeletons yeah that, that that's it mm. i'm gonna make more skeletons so it's really like that's what you do <laughs> it's a very um and how i'm curious how it is with otto because i mean he's like one step bigger than than how, how do you say he is ten and oh. a half I, it's it's interesting because I have the feeling that he doesn't make really sense of what I'm doing because I'm doing many different things. And even recently, when I asked them, like, what do you know your mother does? <laughs> I don't really know how to answer. Because, uh, yeah, I've been curating and teaching. And then suddenly, yeah, when I started teaching, she de he then started thinking I was a teacher. But then I stopped teaching and then I started writing and I showed them. So it became like they don't really know. I mean, they don't really understand. Uh, well, it's not clear for them. And it's also because it's, yeah, it's too various even for me. But uh, Otto came when we were installing the exhibition with Lorraine Furter at the Wilsons. Well, the two of them came and actually my son really liked the fact of installing the pieces and the setting. And afterwards he said he would like to do it later when he be becomes uh, an adult. He wants to do that. He wants to become a kind of technician installing stuff. And he said, it's nice what you're doing. I like it. <laughs> Your day is nice. It's fun. So uh, I also was happy to share that because otherwise when I say we're going to see an exhibition, he's like, I hate exhibitions. <laughs> so so uh, yeah, when it becomes more concrete and practical, obviously it makes sense for them also to experience that. And and do you think then, because that that is definitely something that has changed for me now. As uh, as, as Rita, I feel like she's also like matured. <laughs> 
that she actually becomes like a reference point like to like i want to show her s like something yeah like so her opinion actually matters mm -hmm. i mean i mean i wouldn't change mm -hmm. her work if she didn't like it but like yeah i do think of her as potential audience which is very particular in like the thinking about work do you, so you ha you have that yeah also well i feel there's the this distance because most of what i do is in english like writing is mostly in english and the fact that they don't speak english is sometimes frustrating because otto wants to go with me but then s i i take mm. him with me and then suddenly we are there and we <laughs> i realize it's all in english and then it becomes very boring for him but he's very patient so it's fine but uh yeah there's this frustration so i keep thinking i should talk to them in english so they learn and we can share more maybe mm. but um um yeah i was thinking also about this like uh how they kind of influence what I do or and I at a certain point I was thinking like Ethel my daughter she for me she really teaches me freedom while Otto teaches me empathy in some ways and I think I try to both yeah uh, live through this as a reference point for them and for me also in everything I do and try to, I don't know, so engage into that with my practice or find ways to, yeah, keep these two, like empathy and freedom. I like this, uh, like, duo. Um, that's really beautiful. But thank you. I mean, maybe it's a good time to, to like, wrap it up and uh, do another one such a positive note. yeah ex exactly <laughs> i'm like empathy and freedom <laughs> i was searching for that moment i was jumped on it uh no but um i mean i also don't want to take more of your time but this is really really nice um i was thinking maybe i'd be happy to discuss also something else maybe next time if there's a next time is also kind of how to deal with um, trauma or even can be events like that happen on the street or mm. like also I think the, the, the lockdown and corona stuff is also a kind of form of like an event that's so huge for us and then also how to deal with that as parents and through our practice is also I think an interesting I, discussion. I think that yeah. is really interesting because I often don't know how to... We live in a part of Brussels where like, just nasty things happen and I never know how to... I never want to say, oh, that's a bad man. Or I don't know how to put it in a way that uh, he understands. So I think that's really an uh, interesting thing. Yeah, we live in front of the police and actually we start during the confinement, we started filming them uh, like in the darkness of the room from the darkness of the room so our, our work now is really around that i would love 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 to have another meeting to talk about it like to start from that question mm -hmm. would you be up for that yeah, yeah yes. sure i think okay. it's really cool also mm -hmm. the confinement like like he mm. came back from school and he made this drawing and it was of the coronavirus yeah. and uh which is fine because they need to know these things but i yeah. i just i don't know how they understand these things 
Mm. Uh, so that will be super cool. Mm. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed. <laughs> or yeah, Piero, <laughs> <laughs> it's all for you. Yeah. <laughs> so this podcast is called Piero, um, the future of Piero, the yeah. dis- the destruction of Piero. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Um, so yeah I guess there will be a second time so hope you join us then thank you guys very very thank much you. for thank sharing you. Radio Level 5 Radio 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 Level 26